0: get to talk about love. Love. As we begin, I want some of you to text me. I'm not asking you to text me loving expressions, but I want you to finish this phrase. I love... Finish the, finish the statement. Fill in the blank. Okay? Ready? Now, there's risk with this because this could be overwhelming. So I don't want you all to text me. I don't know how you're going to figure out who does and who doesn't, but um, there's the number. Text me. I love, fill in the blank, go. First thing that comes to your mind. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <sighs> oh, you guys are good. Okay, easy, easy. I love the Calgary Flames. That's the first one I get. Thank you, Jason. Come on. Be nice. Maureen loves cruising. I hope it's okay. I'm using your name. I didn't ask permission, but I'm gonna. The 49ers, my daughter, mentoring. That's called mentoring well, Dad. My wife. Way to go. Not sure. Sorry. Not in my contacts. Uh, I love my husband. Both, with, uh, That's great. I'm glad the family. Uh, Chase loves me, wow, made my day, I love to read, I love God, that's very good, I love sunshine, isn't that nice, we're getting some of that, I love how the Oilers, Jason Copan said something bad, bad, okay, see the variety, we use this word, I love everything from grandma to ice cream. And in the English language, we know when we apply it that the depth of that love is different from object to object or maybe even person to person, although as a Christian we're to love everyone, right? Well, I want us to read again our Bible foundation for this vintage faith study. Second Peter 1, 1 to 9. Listen as I read. From the New International Version is what we're using in this uh, study. Simon Peter, who is writing, A servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who, uh, through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Uh, Relational knowledge, not merely intellectual knowledge. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Sorry, read that already. His, let's go to slide five. His divine power, this is good. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. All those other ones we've dealt with in past weeks, and you can go online and listen and catch up. For if you possess, verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge relationship with Jesus. Verse 9, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Aren't you glad you don't have to earn your salvation? Or maybe you thought you did. Maybe you think that you do. And so you're not willing to go there if it's all on you. Maybe you thought a relationship with Jesus or an eternal place in heaven hinges on your performance, on your level of goodness. And so you've given up on that. Well, I want to stress what we've said numerous times in this series, that the, the, the make every effort phrase in the passage that we just read does not, does not refer to us having to earn our salvation, but rather it's about it's about what it takes. Effort. What it takes to grow our character in cooperation with the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. But what it takes to become more and more like Jesus in our character, after we choose to surrender to Him and enter relationship with Him. It's about, it's about adding these Christ-like characteristics to our faith, which we already possess by a gift of God's grace, just to be clear, just to be clear. We are not teaching, a works-oriented salvation, because Jesus and and the whole New Testament does not teach that. That's an important message. And some of you, you've been around, and you've been a Christian a long time, and you've been been here for, uh, you know, maybe most of the weeks of this series, you get, okay, Marla, we get it. It it seems redundant, but I mean, if you think about it, you probably know many people, as I have talked with many people over the years, they think that this is the way to gain salvation. I got to do better. I got to be better. It's the whole do versus done thing. Do, D-O, is how you spell religion. Religion is a burden. D-O-N-E is how you spell New Testament Christianity. Everything that needed to be done for me, for you, to enter into a personal and eternal relationship with God, our Creator, was done by Jesus on the cross. How freeing is that? And That's the core message. And Maybe that's new information for you. And you're going, I want that. In this moment, you can surrender your heart to Christ and say, God, I want that. I want you. It's vital. And so we are, though, after we are in relationship with Christ, after we choose to become a Christ follower, a disciple, a a learner of Jesus, then we are to add to our faith love. Well, what kind of love? Our culture defines love in many ways, doesn't it? We see it in the movies, many warped definitions of love. Very sadly, sometimes we see uh, a conditional definition of love in the lives of people we know uh, through comments that they say, like, I'm not getting my needs met in my marriage anymore. So they think that's their out. Or, I I fell out of love. Even the phrase, I fell in love, if you can fall in, you can fall out. Or a comment like, I met someone who loves me better. We hear definitions of love. Of course, we hear uh, culture's definition of love in song lyrics. Uh, song lyrics, uh, Many times, songs that we sing along to or play our air guitar to when we're in our car. That steering wheel, the bottom of it there is just, it worked. <laughs> who, would do, who would do that? That's crazy. But anyway... Take a look at these. Remember when we used to listen to these? Some of us, some of us, some of you are going, what are those? What are those? And some of you are going, cassette tapes, give me eight tracks and I'll talk to you about quality. I mean, mm, just raw, raw, eight tracks. You can get the pause in the middle of the song sometimes, remember that, to, to catch your breath. <laughs> anyway. Love defined in our culture through billboard.com. Top 50 love songs of all time. A few I randomly selected. Help me, help me finish this title. You lost that. You guys are good, yeah? Righteous Brothers. Not sure how righteous they were, but back in 65 they sang that. Uh, how about this one? Justify My Love. Really, Madonna? That's what we have to do? Is justify love? Definition, definition of love, right? Can't help falling in love, UB40. Oh, this is one I want to belt out, the foreigner song. Anybody? Come on. What? There you go, sing it, sing it with me. I want to know what love is. (laughs) That was really bad. I didn't even practice that. No, you need to know I didn't practice that. Okay? Um... Finish this title. Finish this title. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's love? Oh, that's so sad you know that so quickly. And the Partridge family classic. I think I love you. Was that Partridge? But what am I so afraid? Of? Nice one, Miriam. Impressed. But I think I love you definition of what love can be in our culture. How many of you have heard of the Teddy Bears, uh, 1958? Come on, put your hands up. The Teddy Bears, anybody? Oh, good, I'm not... Really? I, I hadn't either, but it was on the list. To know him is to love him. I don't know the song, I don't know the band, but it's kind of interesting over the years, you know, you overhear your wife talking to people and whenever she talks about her husband, she, it's kind of the phrase she used, to know him is to love him. I don't know, I don't know, it's just... anyway. Struck a chord with me, that song title. Number one love song, according to this list of all time, Endless Love, Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. Well, anyway, enough silliness. In most of these songs, the decision to love follows an emotion. It's love that depends on desire or feelings or expectations fulfilled. If you do this or that, uh, if you act a certain way, or as long as you give me what I need... Or want, I'll love you. That's a different kind of love than we see in the New Testament and here in Second Peter. Uh, Peter writes about what is known as agape love. And we got a good brief uh, Greek le- lesson last week from Pastor Jeff. One of the, one of the um, few, this word love, agape love, is one of the, the few different uh, Greek words that are translated into the English word love several different Greek words, but all translated into the word love. And I I guess that's why we have to apply it in different uh, situations the way we talked about at the beginning. Um, Most of the New Testament was written in a very commonly spoken Greek language, but again, a very specific language. And so uh, agape is... Uh, a love with, with a very specific meaning so, meaning. so I want us to look at that. Agape's description. In a nutshell, and we've got to move quickly. We're a little bit behind here. But it is unconditional. It's unconditional. A Christ follower, or rather as Christ followers, the love that we are instructed here in Peter to add to our faith that we already possess by God's grace is unconditional love for everyone. As Jesus models for us. I, I like what Pastor Mark Buchanan says in, again, the book we've referenced numerous times in this series, Hidden in Plain Sight. He, he, he writes it this way. He says, love drenches the pages of Scripture. What a, what, a, what, a, what a vivid way to say it. Love drenches the pages of Scripture. New Testament examples. Paul writes that even if we were to possess every single spiritual gift but did not have love, what are we? noise. He says a a clanging cymbal. Peter writes that above everything else we must love each other deeply. John says it this way, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves and that the word agape there is God's kind of unconditional love. Everyone who loves that way is born of God and knows God. You actually know God. That's proof. And then Jesus kind of says the same thing, or Jesus said it first, actually. Um, He said in John 13, by this you will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Seems to be a challenging ask, doesn't it? For us to consistently throughout our lives love that way. And, And it is, it's tough at times. But we have a role model. We have a helper to make it possible. And we'll, we'll use this next slide as your memory verse this morning, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates His own love, His own love, which is an agape love, unconditional love, and that's the word there. God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Write that down, that passage, mark it in your, uh, in your smartphone uh, Bible app and, and memorize this good verse. It's a good reminder. The source of the love that God calls me to show is God Himself, and He resides in uh, us who are Christ followers, and so His Spirit is able to um, help us love that way. And of course, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a growth curve, right? We're all on that. The love that God shows us. And that he says we are to display as a love that, that chooses to love even when we don't feel like it. And if you've experienced God's love through the forgiveness of Jesus and claim to be a, 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 his follower like I do, then, then unconditional love must be a characteristic of our lives. Is it always? No. Is it always of mine? No. God calls me to that beautiful ideal, and we're moving that direction, Right? as we trust Him, even to take it a step further. I'm loved when I'm not loved in return, okay? Unconditional love, agape love can still kick in, can still be lived out. I'm able, by God's power and grace and love in my life flowing out, I'm able to love those who may be deemed undeserving or unlovable. Take it another step. Take it a step or two deeper. Agape chooses to love even when it's betrayed. Okay, Marlo, easy, easy. Hmm. It's agape love. Or even when it's rejected or mistreated. And don't misunderstand. That does not mean that you lay your heart and your life exposed again and again and again to be abused or mistreated. There, there are toxic relationships that sometimes require a departure from that environment, okay? However, the love of God, the agape love of God can still fill, and God wants it to still fill our hearts with love for people who have broken our hearts. And some of you know that all too well. You're probably responding somewhat differently. But I want you to think and look at the scripture today on this. Loving like that takes the surrender. Wow, does it ever, doesn't it? Takes the surrender of our hearts and mind to be filled with the Spirit and be uh, our whole being. Jesus, immerse me in your Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer, the Scripture says. Jesus, we pray to Him. Jesus, immerse me in your Spirit, in your love. It's the only way that I can live this out. To quote the theologian Huey Lewis, since we're on the music topic, that's the power of love. God's power. Buchanan, uh, again, makes the good observation that this type of love... Get this, this is good. Exists free of conditions. Fueled, he writes, by something within itself rather than evoked by something outside itself. You've got to think about that statement maybe for a moment. I'm going to read it again. You've got to catch this. Love, this kind of love, exists free of conditions fueled by something within, or someone, maybe clarifying, within rather than evoked by something outside. In other words, it's an unprovoked love, he writes, which is an interesting and maybe even a bit of an odd uh, way to phrase it, isn't it? We, we use the word unprovoked most often to refer to something negative, like uh, that was an unprovoked attack. Well, Buchanan brings to our attention this word in, in the context of love. He says, You never read, there was John Doe minding his own business at the bus stop, and along came a group of philanthropists who blessed him with an act of unprovoked love. It's not the way that that word is, is used, and yet it fits. Yet that's the kind of love that God has shown us. It's the kind of love that He wants us to add to our faith and consistently display to others. It's a love that is is not a feeling, but rather a commitment. Feelings are good, sometimes, some of them. Feelings come and go. Feelings uh, increase and decrease in intensity. All types of feelings, we know that. But agape love is a commitment. And when you're truly committed, you act in accordance with that commitment regardless of feelings, right? It's a message you'll often hear at a wedding ceremony. And it's an appropriate message. And it's an appropriate message for every day of our lives as Christians. That's agape described, defined. Secondly, I want us to consider... What agape does, agape acts. Agape acts. 1 John 3, 17 and 18, if someone has enough money to live well and sees uh, someone in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love, and agape is the original word used here again, how can God's love be in that person? In other words, if there's no action. And then verse 18, John nails it. He says, dear children, he still loves them, but he's just, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Key phrase, verse 18, let's not merely say. We all know, we all know. It's easy to talk the love, right? But what happens when, well, whatever the situation, you can think of it because some of you, you're living it. God is the one who, who, who has, the only one who can help you love the way you need to love in what, whatever that situation is. John says, let's not just say, let's, let's not just merely say, let's show. Showing is the Christ-like way. Not, not just saying. Showing is the Christ-like way. It's the, it's the people encouraging way that Jesus calls us to. There's a story in this, in the same book I I referenced, and Mark Buchanan tells it, about a a school in Brooklyn, New York, a school for children with learning disabilities. And on one occasion, the father of one of these young students named Shea spoke at a fundraising dinner for that school. And he began by, first of all, thanking numerous people that were there, and and then he shifted gears and and kind of startled everyone with uh, an anguished question. He said, Where is the perfection in my son Shea? He said, everything done in heaven is done with perfection. But my my child cannot understand things like other children do easily. He said, where's the perfection in that? And the guests at that dinner that night sat silent. Maybe a little awkward. He continued... This father did, and he said, "I believe that when heaven brings a child like this into the world, the perfection it seeks—heaven, that is—the perfection it seeks is in the way people react to that child." And then he went on to tell the audience at the fundraising dinner about an experience with his son. He told them that one day he and his son Shea were watching a group of boys uh, play softball, and and young shea wanted to wanted to get in the game he he wanted to play and his dad oh no you know no tried to tried to downplay it and whatever and and so so finally without relenting shea was saying i want to dad i want to go i want to play and so uh, dad went over eventually and spoke with one of the one of the team members one of the boys and, and and at first that the boy was unsure understandably and then soon after a few seconds after he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said well we're behind by six runs, and it's the eighth inning. Why not? Why not? And he told his friends, and and uh, he he can play he can play short center field, and you know what? We'll even let him bat in the ninth inning. Dad went back to his son, and his son, of course, was ecstatic. And so Shea uh, shuffled out to his position and s- stood there. Got to the bottom of the ninth inning. And this team had closed the gap and were only behind by two runs with bases loaded. And guess who was up to bat? Shea. They, they needed a home run to take the lead, and they could take the lead. They would take the lead with a home run. Only problem, Shea. That, that bat. What do you do? Well, the boys grouped up to confer about this dilemma. And finally, they came back and the dad dad said to those people at the dinner, he says, to my amazement, the boys handed Shea the bat. He stood over home plate clutching the bat awkwardly, and the pitcher from the other team did a very remarkable thing. He stepped forward a couple steps and and lobbed an an easy ball over the plate, and Shea swung wildly and missed wildly. And and then one of the boys from the batting team, from his team, came behind him, kind of showing him how to how to clutch the bat. And together they, they held the bat and waited for the next pitch and again the pitcher lobbed an easy ball and the two of them together bunted the ball successfully and it rolled right to the pitcher and all the players were uh, from both sides by this point were shouting for Shea to run to first base and he shuffled along and the pitcher picked up the ball could have obviously easily thrown him out but but he he threw it wide Shea made it to first, and the players are screaming, screaming for him to go to second base. And, and this time the outfielder picked up the ball and and, and and attempted to throw him out at second. And he came around second. And again, the cheering continued for Shea to get to third. And he did so as the ball rolled past the third baseman. And then there was home plate, and everybody's cheering, go home, go home. Home plate was in sight, and everyone was behind him. And he ran down the baseline and he and he stomped on home plate as the ball came bouncing in behind him. The boys, they all cheered and they they, they hoisted Shea onto their shoulders and paraded him as a hero. (laughs) That day, the father speaking at that fancy fundraising dinner said, that day, those 18 boys reached a level of heaven's perfection. unprovoked love. An act of unprovoked love. And the difference it can make was experienced. I'm sure that most of us want to live that way. I believe that. Very few would say, I I don't want to live that way. We want to live that way. Displaying Unprovoked love. And as Christ followers, that's what we're called to. To reflect Jesus and His love for everyone in this broken world. So here's a way to frame the application question this morning. For whom do you need to display or commit an act, commit to an act of unprovoked love. For whom do you need to commit an act, for whom do you need to commit an act of unprovoked love? Sorry. Who? Then what? Even just one idea this morning is a step forward to, to changing what often is, and I put myself in this category, uh, one little step, one little idea, one name, one one specific thing that God might bring to your mind, or you, you knew it already because God's spoken to you about it. He's dropped that thought in your mind of, of how to love that difficult person or whoever it might be. But... But stepping, a baby step this direction to, to create a new habit maybe. To help change our habitually self-centered way of living. So who is it? Who, who is it that, that you have natural disdain for? Who comes to mind? What category of people do you have thoughts about that you wouldn't want your children to know? could be a part of this. You see, agape love, agape love outmaneuvers those natural feelings of contempt. Agape love reverses, it it, it reverses the apathy that can so easily settle in and keep us from doing what we know God wants us to do as Christians. And that is to love in unconditional ways. In ways when we know that we're not going to get anything back. So, close this message and this series today with this question to help us follow through on on applying this. For whom do you need to commit an act of unprovoked love? That read better, didn't it? Who? We're going to pause in silence for a moment to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity and I believe He will speak to some of you, maybe many of you and I'm hoping He'll speak to me. I'm open. In these moments of silence, as we close to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to bring someone to our mind or something specific He wants us to do. And then I, I want you to write it down. I want you to take mental note of it and maybe physical note. I want you to set a reminder in your smartphone. for the. If, if, if you feel like the Holy Spirit whispers something to you in this moment, let me encourage you to put that in your smartphone as part of your wake-up alarm so you will see that that's the thing you need to start your day with in thought and prayer. Can I suggest that? I I do that sometimes, and so it's just an idea. Let's pause in prayerful silence. God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe this morning for you is the morning, is the day when you, possibly for the first time, realize that. Realize and recognize how much God loves you and how much the trajectory of your life in self-centered or sinful living will will take you further and further, and for eternity even, away from the God who created you for so much more. And today, you're saying, today's my day when I respond and open my heart to God's agape, unconditional love. Because I don't have to do anything to earn it. He wants to deposit it in my life and my heart right now and I receive it, and I come into His family by His grace, and He's the forgiver of my sin, and the leader of my life, and my best friend, and I walk through this challenging life at times and into an eternity secure for me, that I can know for sure now that I'm in eternity with Him in heaven because of what He's done, because of the gift He's given me. This morning, if that's your desire, I want you to, I want you to pray. I want you to tell God. Say, God, that's what I want. That's all you got to say. God knows. And you'll, you'll have more discussions with God. That's okay. God, that's what I want. I want you. I want your love in my life. I surrender to you. I turn from the way I'm living to the way you want me to live. Help me know what that is. Help me as I walk in community with others who are on that same path. That's the prayer. You don't have to close your eyes. Sometimes that helps us focus. I'm going to ask you just to take a moment to pray. It could be, God, I thank you like this. I thank you for your amazing love. I respond. I give my life to you right now. I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your immense unconditional love that you showed to me in your son Jesus dying on the cross and being raised by your power from the dead to prove to me that you can take care of me eternally. Thank you for that gift. I receive it now by by just choosing to trust you and trust what the Bible says that I can receive this as a gift from your gracious heart and hands. And I want to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.